2: Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So, if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The
0: Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform.
2: The show is available everywhere possible are found and you can follow the show on Twitter at HoopBallLakers.
0: The following is a HoopBall presentation.
2: Hi everyone, welcome to the Pelican Skirt, back for another episode. I am Miles Smith Bank. thanks for joining us once again. Today we've got a really big show, I'm joined by a very, very special guest, and we might as well get straight into that. I'd like to welcome Steve Vitovich. His reputation precedes him. Steve is a great guy over in uh, the hoop-ball.com spectrum. He's our big boss over in the podcasting side of things. He keeps us all in line, and uh, yeah, it's great to have you on on board. How you going, Steve?
3: Hey, I'm doing well, Lyle. Hey, it's great to be on. Um, you're too kind with your words. Uh, you know, we at Hoopball, we're all a team here, and it, it's great to be on Talking Pels, one of the most exciting young teams in the league right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you here. This is, as we, we spoke of uh, off-air, this is my first interview with uh, and my first guest that I'm going to be having on the uh, the Hoopball Pels podcast, the Pelican Scoop, so it's exciting. It's um, definitely going to give the viewers something, well, the listeners, I guess they are, uh, something to listen to and a different view than just my uh, Australian drawl time and time again. So, I mean, you did a, an article for the Pels um, on Hootball or about the Pels on, on hoopball, uh recently. It was a bit of a breakdown um, and that's part of the, the Fantasy Snapshot, uh, I suppose, series that you're doing over at Hootball with a few of the other guys. Can you tell us about that a little bit? What uh, the, uh, I suppose, the Fantasy Snapshot uh, series is all about and what you're, what you're doing over there?
3: Yeah, so with the fantasy snapshots, uh, what I, my goal is is to give people just a little bit to wet their beak on each team. Um, I spin some yarns on there, uh, so to speak. Uh, so I like to do, start it off with a few fun facts about um, some of the exciting players, both from like a reality perspective, but focus mainly on the fantasy. Uh, and then I dive in and and basically give people um, the players that produced fantasy value in eight or nine cat leagues, as well as points leagues. Uh, And then what I do later on down the article is I will project those players going forward for next season. um, The players that are likely to be standard league values, meaning in value in 12 team leagues. um, And then guys that have a chance to produce standard league value. If certain things break their way, talk about upcoming free agents uh, and then upcoming draft picks uh, of each of the teams. I really enjoyed writing uh, the Pelicans one because like I said, I mean, it is a great time to be a Pelicans fan. Uh, Probably the best time to be a Pelicans fan in 20 odd years, maybe since Chris Paul back when they uh, had Chris Paul back in the day when they were the New Orleans Hornets. Yeah,
2: for sure. And I mean, um, I've had the, the opportunity to go back and and watch uh, a few of the games. I actually went back to the start of the season and the, the last couple of episodes I've been reviewing those and there'll be one attached to this as, as well. So I'll talk about that later on in the show. Uh, game number three of the year. And to see these guys, that high-energy players, uh, all of them are, are, are young and a lot of them are the Lakers uh, or ex-Laker draft picks that have been traded down there in the Anthony Davis trade. Nine new players on the team, you know, You expect a bit of teething problems in the beginning. All of a sudden, you've got nine new players on the roster. They've got to go and learn a new game plan under Alvin Gentry. Run and gun, it seems to be. It's a higher pace sort of thing. Do you think that may have led to a few issues earlier on in the season?
3: I absolutely think so. I think, uh, you know, you bring in all this young talent. Uh, You basically have Drew Holiday as the mainstay there and pretty much no one else. I mean, you can make an argument that Jaleel Okafor and Kenrich Williams were there last year, but their roles were very minimal this season. So bringing in all those new bodies uh, definitely affected their their start to their season. One fact I had from my uh, from my snapshot was that the top five leaders in minutes per game on the season for the Pelicans uh, were all under the age of 30 years old, uh, with Drew Holiday being the oldest, uh, but everyone else was 22 or 24 years old, 24 or younger. So four out of the top five guys in minutes per game were under the age of 25. And three of them are special players in Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Zion Williamson. So, and yes, they struggled early, uh, but their future is extremely bright.
2: Oh. Yeah, well said. I think, um, and like I mean, it's exciting to see these young guys. You know, Brandon Ingram, and I've I've been singing his praises for the last few episodes as well. He really took a jump this season. It seemed to be that he went from a guy that was sort of working it out. He wasn't very strong in his body, very long, skinny sort of guy. Came down to the Pelicans, just looked strong, looked confident. We got named an All Star. You know, this guy really seemed to take a leap. You know, I. I can't sing his praises enough, I guess. And um, do you think becoming the alpha dog, I suppose, of the team, thereabouts, getting high usage rate, helped with that development? you think that probably renewed his confidence a little bit or something like that? I
3: definitely think so. I think we saw a different Brandon Ingram than we did over the first three seasons. Uh, He might have been stunted a little bit in Los Angeles Uh, It seems like over the past five, six years, they've struggled to develop their young talent Uh, and they went in a different direction, uh, which was probably in their best interest, um, getting Anthony Davis. Um, But Brandon Ingram going to the Pelicans was the best thing that could possibly happen for him. He had career highs in practically every statistical category. I mean, him being a go-to scorer on that team in crunch time, it, it does. It, it gives a player a lot more confidence uh, moving forward. I think that we're going to see this version of Brandon Ingram for years to come in New Orleans. You
2: know, he is hoping. I mean, the, the guy's, how old is he, 22 or so, isn't he? A 20, yeah, 22 years old, you know. And a guy like that, where you see these, I mean, it's very early. And I know coming out of college, they were comparing him to Kevin Durant a bit with the length and the um, the, sh- the scoring ability. Do you think his ceiling is that high? Do you think he could step in as the heir apparent to Kevin Durant as that sort of top scorer in the league, or is that maybe a stretch? I
3: you know I don't know if he could. Kevin Durant is was before the Achilles injury. He was one of the best three players in basketball, maybe the best. Player in basketball. One thing that you could, that I think is the reason for the comp, is that Brandon Ingram has the ability to get the sh- his shot off on almost any defender. And I think in a way you could compare that to Kevin Durant. I don't know if Brandon Ingram has the size to be an elite defender, which Kevin Durant showed in Golden State that he could be an elite defender when he wanted to. Um, so I think he'll be a little bit limited version of Kevin Durant would be his ceiling, Um, like a Kevin Durant light. I don't think he could, I don't think he's ever going to lead the league in scoring, but I don't think he needs to on this young team. I, I, I don't think Brandon Ingram is the type of guy who wants to be the alpha alpha. I think he might be okay with having uh, a group of players work with him uh, to, you know, as a group, be the alpha
1: where he's
3: not, the number one because there's a lot of other great talent on this team and I think that there might be a couple other guys that end up becoming the alpha over Ingram uh, but the Pelicans do have an interesting question this offseason where Ingram is going to be a restricted free agent and it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract because it seems very likely that they'll bring him back but what kind of contract he demands
2: well you know when you produce like he did this year if they don't get the checkbook out, I think we might be in a bit of trouble because I, I, I know some teams will definitely be looking at him and saying, well, you restrict a free agent, we can throw some cash at you, either match or we'll take you. You mentioned other young talent on that team as well and I was I was seeing how we were going to segue into that but the big story coming into this season was the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis, they ended up with the number one pick uh, and that became Zion Williamson. hype train. Level 100, you know, he is just phenomenal talent. He's he's built like Zach Randolph, but jumps like Derrick Rose in his prime. You know, this guy is just unbelievable. He then got injured and missed three quarters of the season. We only really saw about 18 or so games, if that, I think, from Zion. When he came in, we did see Ingram defer to him a bit, and, and that usage went up for Zion. Do you think he morphs into this transcendent talent? Could he become the future of the NBA? I mean, the hype is there, but does his skill translate into that?
3: So I do think that if anyone on this team becomes the absolute alpha, I think it will be Zion. Uh, Something that I found using NBA.com is that the starting five of drew holiday Derek favors brandon ingram lonzo ball and zion williamson played 230 minutes together on the court this season and i believe zion played uh, roughly 550 minutes total this season so in those 230 minutes that the projected starting five if the season came back that they had a net rating of 26.3. Their offensive rating was 117.9, which ranked third on the team out of any five-man combinations who played over 50 minutes. And their defensive rating was even more impressive at 91.6. So I think that Zion has the ability to affect the offensive side of the court and the defensive side. And I think that's why I would put him above Brandon Ingram on the totem pole.
2: Completely agree. We actually looked at these top five starting lineups throughout the season as well. And that one piqued my interest 100%. It sat right above everything else I looked at. I goes, this there's a typo in this. And if, if that's a segment of what we're going to see, that high-tempo, high-scoring, run-and-gun mentality... Lonzo throwing the ball from half court and Zion somehow kidding, catching it over his head and dunking it in. You know, it's exciting, but it's also producing, I suppose, on the on the stat sheet and on the field. You know, they're they're outscoring and defending well. So hopefully we can keep this team together. And if it means you've got to pay Brandon Ingram, well, you've lost Anthony Davis's contract. A lot of the guys are on short term deals that they did sign in the off season. So perhaps. Brandon Ingram does get the near-on-max deal that he, he might well deserve just to keep it together. It's it's so difficult to be able to see what the Pelicans are going to be in even six months, even well or two years. How good are these guys going to be? Do you think, in a perfect vacuum, do you think if Zion hadn't been injured, the Pels could have made the playoffs? I mean, they look like they were on the cusp and they were still competing when we went to hiatus. But do you think they would have been more of a, con- well, not contender, but at least in the playoff hunt earlier on in the season?
3: I think they would have still had early season struggles just mm-hmm. integrating so many new bodies into the system. But I do think you could extrapolate a few more wins for them overall. So maybe instead of sitting in 10th right now, they'd be sitting in 9th. Um, maybe they'd even have the 8th seed. I wouldn't see say that this team would have done any better than the eighth seed in a perfect world only because it was their first year together, integrating a lot of young, talented players. Uh, Alvin Gentry is a great coach for them to have um, because he likes to run and gun and score like crazy. I would say if Zion was healthy the whole year, at best, they would be sitting where the Memphis Grizzlies are sitting about 500.
2: Would do. Yeah, I think, like you said, you're adding in over half of a new roster. You know, you're know you adding guys that have never played. Well, a couple of guys come down from the Lakers, but a lot of other guys had not played together. JJ Reddick was added. Derek Favors came in. You see these guys, and as they got more comfortable, we went on a bit of a run. Whose team, actually, let me, let me step back. Whose team do you think this is now? As the players, you know, in the off-season, uh, David Griffin said... Uh, this is Drew's team. We're going to let him score as much as he wants. He could be an MVP this year. Is it, is it Drew Holiday's team? I mean, Brendan Ingram then stepped up, then Zion stepped in. Who do you think is the current alpha dog for this season?
3: So, as far as the what's going on in the locker room, uh, which I'm not privy to, but I would like to think that the older guys – are helping uh, mentor the younger guys. So I would say that Drew Holiday is the leader of the team, uh, even though he – and he's a great player because he, he has the ability to defer to better scorers like Brandon Ingram. So even the, if he's not taking the last shot uh, of the game, he can still be considered the alpha by leading the team both on and off the court. I think that's also why they got Derek Favors, and why they got J.J. Reddick, because they wanted some older veterans in there to help teach the guys. Because it's not just basketball that they're learning. They're learning about life for all of them, more money than they've ever had. So they're they seemed to me to be good mentors both on and off the court. And one interesting thing about Drew Holiday is he's kind of similar to Lonzo Ball in that he has two brothers who are in the NBA, where Lonzo is about to have a brother come into the NBA. So it's two basketball families on the same team, which is really interesting. And their ability to play together uh, is fantastic. But I'm getting off track here. Uh, I would say Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, and J.J. Redick together would have been like the vets on the team helping the young guys, but Drew being the primary guy.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting to see Lonzo play alongside – and I suppose understudy Drew a bit because they are similar type of players. You know, they're that long, defensive-minded, pass-first sort of point guard. Drew can turn it on. I mean, in his final game against Minnesota, he dropped about 38 or something. He absolutely went off before we went on hiatus. That ability to know when to turn it on and know when to defer to others and, and ride the hot hand, whether that be uh, BI or, or it be Zion or it be Uh, JJ Redick or Josh Hart, anyone that's on, I think that takes the maturity of of a strong leader and a good point guard, and that's what you want. Is your point guard to be the leader of the team and direct traffic, the coach on the court, uh, per se? I can see those comparisons. Do you think eventually Lonzo could play against Drew Holiday as a more consistent sort of backcourt duo? You know, at times they sort of they would stagger them so they would come on and and off at different times throughout the season. Do you think a starting five of Lonzo and Drew, and then I suppose B.I. Zion, maybe Derek Favors, or could be a, a potential going forward? I, I definitely think so. Uh, I believe that they might
3: become the best defensive backcourt uh, in the NBA. Their ability on the defensive end, uh, being on-ball defenders, off-ball defenders, I really think that that is a huge plus for them because most teams uh, backcourts have liabilities on defense either one usually one of the players is a liability with those two players neither of them are a liability and they basically become Lonzo or uh, Drew Holiday and uh, Rajon Rondo from a few years ago but on steroids because uh, Lonzo Ball is far superior to what Rajon was when he was on the Pelicans so I think that backcourt is the backcourt of the future for the Pelicans. That That's definitely a huge strength they have right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw later on in the season Lonzo Ball turn into a really good player. I mean, his stats shot through the roof. He seemed a bit more composed up and down the court. Earlier on, he was still taking some three-pointers, and I've talked about it in my game reviews earlier this podcast, He settles for three-pointers. He just didn't look like he had his legs under him a bit. That seemed to, I suppose, change throughout the season. Jump shots started falling. He started making high-IQ shots. His defensive IQ is right up. I mean, for a guy that poses no one more for his passing, his actual pass anticipation, it, it mirrors from what he is doing on the offensive end onto the defensive end. You know, he can see where that ball's going to go. And there's so many steals that I've seen even in the first couple of games that he's just anticipated, he's picked off like the pass was going to him. I think that will continue to develop. Do you think the next step for him is a consistent jump shot? He has a weird sort of shooting style, which he worked on in the offseason. We're seeing that his legs are still taking a bit of time to get under him and, and work on that new jump shot. Do you think that is probably the thing that's keeping him between a very good point guard to being an elite point guard.
3: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think that he definitely needs to continue to work on that shot. I don't think he will ever be a great three-point shooter, uh, but being a threat from distance would really help uh, in any team's offensive system. But I do think that his shot needs to get better. But I do think that he has an ability – uh, without the shot, to be a very good point guard in the NBA. I also think that perhaps part of the reason why he got off to a slower start might have been injury-related. I think he got a little bit banged up in early going in the season because he exploded, like you said, as the season went on. I, I wrote here, this is fantasy-related, but his value in fantasy leagues 8 and 9-cat He was around the ninth and 12th round before December 1st. And then after December 1st, he was producing uh, 4th round in 8-cat and 6th round in 9-cat value. So he jumped quite a few rounds from December 1st on, which is a pretty large sample size of games. So I think even without the jump shot, Lonzo will be a really solid player. If he's able to uh, shoot with a little bit more efficiency, he could become that all-star point
2: guard. Yeah, absolutely. And from a fantasy perspective, I mean, that's where we we both uh, cut our teeth, I suppose, with hoop ballers in the fantasy side of things, um, and continue to do uh, on and off throughout the throughout the journey. But uh, on that, who do you think is the biggest fantasy asset on the on the Pelicans? Is, is, is it Lonzo?
3: Um. As far as a fantasy asset for next season, I would say the number one guy, in my opinion, would be Zion Williamson, but with a stipulation. And that stipulation is uh, he's a terrible free throw shooter. Uh, And so as long as that is the case, I think you would have to do a punt free throw build to have Zion on your team because he's going to get to the line. And if he shoots it at 65%, That's not going to do it. Um, But I think outside of his free throw percentage, he has the biggest upside in terms of his statistical – his stat set. Uh, He didn't even produce very many defensive stats in his time this season, but it was only a 19-game sample size. I'd put Zion first, which might be slightly controversial. I'd put Brandon Ingram just right behind there, like a 1B – uh, and then Lonzo and Drew would be right there behind them. But I might go with Lonzo over Drew Holiday to start next season, uh, just because I think that his chemistry with Zion and the need for the team to grow those young players is so important for their future. So I would, I would say Zion.
2: Yeah. Oh, I think um, – I don't know yeah. – just done a, a dynasty draft, uh, which was a big, long snake one, based on next season. And Zion went in the top five. I think everyone's hyping it up. 100% agree with the free throws. That's something that if you can get it up even to a serviceable 75, you know, that would be... You could live with that. Um, you know, that takes in that next step. You know, that's a big knock on on guys like Giannis and stuff like that. And from a fantasy perspective, you've, you've got these guys that are transcendent talents. That can't shoot free throws and absolutely kills your game unless you're going to punt free throws, which is a pain because it's quite an easy category to win, um, if you can build that up. Easy point. Staying on the fantasy vein for a bit, Derek Favors joined the team this year. He only averaged about twenty two to twenty five, I think, minutes per game. He still had a fairly solid season fantasy wise. Do you think he could keep that going with I suppose the development of Jackson Hayes stepping in, does Derek Favors stay fantasy relevant?
3: I think if he maintains that, let's say, at least over 22 minutes and preferably like 24 to 26 minutes a game, uh, I definitely think he can be a fantasy asset later in drafts, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth round value um, guy. I do think, I do believe in Jackson Hayes in the future. I don't think it'll happen next season. So if the Pelicans can get, keep favors on a team-friendly deal for one or two more seasons, uh, and he's seeing 24 minutes, I definitely think he can be somebody that is worth wa- rostering in standard leagues. Um, I do think the time of his fantasy production is coming closer to an end, but I don't think that end is next season.
2: Well, I managed to pick him up on one of my in one of my leagues uh, off the waiver wire after he had a bit of a slump. I think he was away uh, dealing with some family issues and it was a bit of injury stuff there as well. So I managed to snag him, and I was quite impressed with what you were still getting from him in such a small sort of um, minutes per game cap. Guys that stepped in from an actual real life perspective, watching Derek Favors on the court, the team is it's chalk and cheese. The guy is firing away the defensive anchor. And um, even at some points, they defer to him on the offensive end and he goes and gets a bucket. When he goes off, we get guys like Jalil Okafor come in. Jackson Hayes, was he showed that he was a rookie for a lot of the season. He had some big games uh, when Derek went out later on in the season. But earlier on, Jackson Hayes looked like a rookie. Um, And I think, I completely agree. I don't think the step is next year, but perhaps the year after, when he gets stronger, and gets used to playing against these big bodies a guy that surprised me though, and I mentioned him briefly, was Jalil Okafor. The guy was a number three draft pick in his rookie season he averaged seventeen and change on, on for points. He was then sort of bounced around the league. Some people were saying he was too, I suppose, large. This year he looked slim. And while he didn't produce, I suppose, on a fantasy side of things, he still came in as that good backup center. Do you think he hangs around the league? Do you think? he could he could stay as that serviceable backup big man? I,
3: I do think that Jaleel's got a role in the NBA for, you know, a, at least a few more seasons. Every team needs backup bigs. They're becoming harder and harder to find. I don't think he's the type of guy who's ever going to play more than 20 minutes a game. But as far as a 14 to 18-minute guy off the bench to spell your big, uh, I definitely think that he – can stick around the league for a bit longer if he and he seems to be fine with that role so as long as he's fine with it uh, some guys have trouble transitioning he seemed to transition well so uh, I could definitely see him sticking around the league for quite a while and maybe the Pelicans can keep him next year on an affordable contract as well
2: yeah well I mean he's hoping I think you hit the nail on the head with that. You know, especially with Derek Favors only being able to play probably maximum 25 without incurring hamstring injuries, stuff like that. We saw a lot of soft tissue stuff. Jalil Okafor probably has found a bit of a sweet spot in in New Orleans where he can come in. He's still a young guy. I think he's only 24 or so. So he fits right in that, uh, that future mould as well. If Favors then steps away or, or leaves later on down the track, you've got air apparent... Jackson Hayes steps in. Jalil Okafor could keep that role. So I think, yeah, especially if he can keep the conditioning. That was something that I just didn't realise he had done in the offseason. He just went and got, he looked skinny, you know, and, he, and strong and mobile. And you could see it on the offensive end, especially in the first few games. Um, he was crashing the glass. And and you didn't see that a lot earlier on, you know. He got criticised a bit for being lazy. He was, um, I suppose, at some times an old school sort of big that just, doesn't have a place in the NBA, but if you can keep this hustle up, you know, all of a sudden you're a valuable bench player. Another guy that came in this year is another ex-Laker was Josh Hart. Had some big fantasy games and some big games, Heart and Soul of the team, you know, mind the pun. Do you think, we'll jump back to the fantasy a little bit. Do you think from a fantasy standpoint, he is a guy that you could have in maybe a 12 team roster, great rebounding guard, but, does he have any other benefits or or do you think he is worth taking a punt on next season?
3: Uh, From a reality perspective, I think Josh Hart is like a perfect glue guy to have on any team. But from a fantasy perspective, I just don't think his stat set is uh, fantasy friendly. Uh, He had games this season where he played, you know, 36 minutes and, didn't do much on the stat sheet. It didn't, doesn't mean that he wasn't productive on the court, doing some of the dirty work, um, not getting the credit for it, or maybe he did by Pelicans fans, but not around the league. So I think he's a really great role player to have on a team. As far as a 12-team league, uh, the only way I think he could push into value is injuries. With all of the talent they have in front of him uh, when they're fully healthy, I just don't think there's that. That role for Josh Hart.
2: I th- I completely agree with you. I mean, I think he was drafted at the start of the season fairly oh, like a mid-range sort of maybe eleven or ten, eleven, twelve sort of range. I saw him on waiver wires all over the uh, fantasy realm, but yeah, then you watch him on the court and you say, "Oh, that was close to being a steal." Oh, he's interrupted that pass, and all of a sudden he's lying on the ground. You know. A lot of that stuff, and there's a few guys at Pelicans. um, Kendrick Williams is another guy that's like that. Um, Frank Jackson, they're the guys that just go in and get the ball, do the hard work, but it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And I think you have to have guys that are a bit flashier, like the Brandon Ingram and the Zions. And then you also need the guys that are just going to grind it, get the ball, lock in when they need to. And um, I think that builds a good team. And I think it starts from the top. I think um, Drew Holiday has flashes of both and he's probably instilling that JJ Reddick great mentor has been around the league for for years now uh, there was a, a snippet in in the second game of the season and I keep referencing these early ones because I've just watched them recently and where JJ Redick is chatting to Lonzo about where he should be standing how to this is mid-game and he says we'll stand there and you can see him pointing and directing traffic and things like that I think you look back on your career. I can only imagine have played professional basketball, um, but you look back on your career and you see those mentoring things. And oh, I picked that up from JJ. I picked that up from Drew. I think you can't discount how important these veterans are on such a young team. Give me thoughts on on the veteran presence. I know we talked on it a little bit.
3: Yeah, no, it's not just uh, the veterans. It's also you have to have. Chemistry between those veterans and the young guys. There has to be a relationship built, not just on the court, but it's so important uh, in any walk of life to have chemistry uh, outside of when you're supposed to be on. Right. So if you work in an office, you want to be able to get along with your coworkers, both the you know the young ones getting along with the older ones, the mentors, so to speak, and I think. The Pelicans have that perfect mix right now of young guys willing to learn and older veterans willing to teach. So Good I'll to sit right there with
2: you. Absolutely. I mean, how's that? We, we don't just talk Pelicans here. We, we give life advice as well. You know, we get into it. That's And that's what we're about here at uh, the Pelican Scoop. I completely agree. The mix is, is perfect. And I think they just need to play more together and, and we can see this Team continue to, to rise up the West, you know, it's so tough to dig through. There's probably 12 teams that could be in the playoffs at the moment. And I think that just gets deeper as the younger teams get uh, more reps, like the Suns are, and, and the Kings are, are both good sides of trying to push through as well, along with Memphis and, and yeah, Portland and, and the Pels as well. So, what are your key takeaways? If you can leave us with, with a couple of things, what are your key takeaways from the season? And then, what are your predictions for next season for the Pelicans? So,
3: I would say the key takeaways Brandon Ingram's um, surge this season, basically, all of the former Lakers and their surge this season with a new scenery in New Orleans. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, those three guys really benefited from a new scenery. I would say another takeaway is that the team doesn't seem to have anybody who doesn't deserve to be on an NBA roster, uh, which I wouldn't be able to say about most teams. Maybe there's one guy not going to be net mentioned, but I would say that out of their, on their roster, they have all NBA quality players that can be in the league for five, six years, even including uh, their older rookie, Niccolo Melli who I think can be a stretch big for them. Shoot the three, can't play very much because of defensive liability, but they just have such a great mix of young talent with established veterans um, that aren't too hyped on themselves. So uh, I would say key takeaways, Laker three guys, and just the perfect mix of youth and veterans that as an NBA fan, if the Pelicans were my team, I think I would be the happiest I've ever been since watching that team. Uh, Because you get to watch these young guys grow together, and there's just something so special about watching the players that your team drafted grow together. Yeah, you'll add a few free agents, um, but most of the guys are homegrown talent, and there's just something so special of watching them this year, maybe not make the playoffs, but in two or three seasons, they might be in the NBA Finals.
2: Well, he's hoping because uh, you know I completely agree, and it's exciting. I think Pelicans fans across the globe are chomping at the bit to see what this team can put together, and I'm with you. Uh, and and we'll keep plugging it here at the uh, at the Pelicans Scoop, and we'll keep it going. Steve, I'd like to thank you for for joining me today. i Really appreciate your time on your, uh, on your Friday night. You've, you've, you've provided some great insights for us. And what else have we got to look forward to over at HoopBall? You got any plugs to shout out?
3: Yeah, so uh, over at HoopBall, one thing that we we're cooking up that I'm pretty excited about, we got the fantasy snapshots going. If you guys want to go to HoopBall.com uh, and read our fantasy features, we got lots of great writers doing stuff. Something else we're going to be starting is we're going to be starting an expansion draft uh, next Wednesday and it'll be running every Wednesday um, until we finish. And that'll be really exciting. We're going to add two new teams uh, and to do an expansion draft, each existing team has to protect a certain number of players. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see which uh, players are protected and then who ends up on the new teams, which we're going to, uh, do the Seattle Supersonics and uh, a Louisville team. So I'm really excited about that. That'll be next uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and Lyle, it is such a pleasure to join this Ball Pels pod. Uh, your your past pods doing the history of the team and then leading up into the games have been excellent. I, I can't wait to hear more of what you're going to be doing. I
2: oh, appreciate that. And, again, Thanks for, for for joining us. The first guest on the uh, on the Pelican Scoop. How good! Wouldn't have picked a better person.
3: And my first uh, my first podcast.
2: Uh, well, there we go. It's a day. <laughs> it's a week of firsts, and uh, uh, no doubt we'll we'll hear plenty from the Pel's fans, and we'll keep this going, and hopefully get you back on here sometime.
3: Yeah, happy to hop on whenever you need.
2: Perfect. Uh, cheers, All right. Cheers, mate. So how good was that? Uh, first guest on the Pelican Scoop. Uh, that was a very informative chat and I really appreciate uh, Steve jumping on to have a chat with us about all things Pelicans and what he's got going on over at hoop-ball.com. It sounds like there's a whole heap going on over there, so make sure you jump over and have a look whenever you get a chance. Now, we might jump into a game review before we wrap up for the week. Uh, we're going to have a look at Game 3 against the Rockets. Uh, it was at... Houston. It was the 26th of October 2019. It was the second night of a back to back. The first quarter, we were informed that Drew Holiday was actually out. He'd tweaked his leg in the third quarter of the game against Dallas and he'd been listed as out. So we didn't have him for the third game, which I think was a bit of a shock. Looking back in the game two highlights, we could then see that he tweaked his leg a little bit. But uh, yeah, an unfortunate out. Josh Hart replaced him in the starting lineup. Just needed to point out again. That this team had nine new players in the starting lineup. We got underway, and it was obvious that the chemistry issues were still uh, coming together. We needed to stop the points in the paint. We we're getting hammered in there. Favors uh, was the target on the offensive end. They uh, they passed him the ball a fair bit. Lonzo gave up a, a three for a better shot underneath, and that was a great play it was good to see that maturity start to develop with lonzo there's a pick and roll into a bounce pass favors to score lonzo pushing the ball up the court again great ball movement Ingram hit a big three and unfortunately we then had two bad passes and and they made five points from those two possessions poor defensive rebounding effort again that's something that I've highlighted in the first couple of games we've got to finish that play it's got to secure that that defensive rebound Lonzo kept attacking. I like that aggressiveness, which is something that he needs to keep doing for the rest of the year. Kendricks, William Kenny Hustle grabbed a big offensive rebound. Unfortunately, we, we then followed on. We had a silly foul from Melly that forced himself through the screener and, and there was a three-pointer made off that uh, and then an and one. So four-point play, which, uh, which was a bit of a pain. Later on, we had four guys sitting there watching the rebound, and PJ Tucker, who's only 6'5", playing center, grabbed it and put it back in. We've got to grab the basketball. I was so frustrated. I remember shaking my computer screen watching it. Harden is someone who is just incredible. I think we all know that. Uh, He was walking through our defense for layups, which is something that we need to work on. It's either that or foul him. Unfortunately, he seems to score at will against any team. A another couple of Pelicans turnovers. Harden actually had three chances at hitting a three because we didn't secure the defensive rebound. It's it's so frustrating to watch these guys do something so well, fail to do something so simple. So we really need to work on that, and hopefully that'll improve. Uh, eight turnovers in the first quarter. We shot fifty percent, but eight turnovers are gonna kill you. It's absolutely gonna kill you second quarter, the Rockets were up 29-24. to 24. Ingram had 11 points early. He started quickly. Then we had more turnovers. Uh, Alexander Walker was on. He did a good ball fake and, and a nice pick and roll into a layup. We were lucky that a broken play led to an Ingram three, so we got away with that. Um, but we do need to focus on that. Early offense, the ball was swinging around the perimeter. Excellent. That unselfish basketball is stuff that we need to keep going, and hopefully when the chemistry comes together, that'll be something that we continue to work on. Kendrick Williams, working on getting those O-boards is something that is so underrated. Kenny Hustle is an absolute beast at doing that. In this instance, Lonzo cut to the basket, and Kenny Hustle hit him, and it was another layup, so that was pretty good. It was nice to see the ball movement Josh Hart was on. He was Uh, bringing the heat, he interrupted Harden's dribble, um, and then it turned into a clear path foul, so that was pretty good that he he managed to do that, managed to drag it back to 51-all, and then Hart hit a free throw, put us up Um, unfortunately uh, Williams then fouled uh, Daniel House on three and they got three free throws, that was a bit of a pain, but you know, you learn that, he's only a young player Um, Kenny Hustle, he then made up for it and stopped Harden uh, caused an offensive foul, that was pretty good he he redeemed himself almost immediately pick and pop with Melly, free throw line jumper Lonzo hit a big three and then we saw the famous uh, gif of Harden smashing the ball against his own head and Josh uh, Josh Hart looking at him like he was unwell Um, so that was pretty funny to see that in Real life, uh, the perplexed Josh Hart at halftime it was sixty-one all. Went into the third quarter. There was some great passing, ball movement to open Lonzo three. Um, he misses, but it was it was the right shot to take. So you're happy with that. Um, there was some stupid errors after House hit a three, ball went out of bounds. Bi then answered with a massive three. He was up to twenty-one points on eight of eleven shooting in the early in the third, so That was pretty interesting to see him continue on his newfound confidence. Uh, There was a big transition pass to JJ from Lonzo after a steal. Lobbed Ingram, slammed it down. You could see the crowd start to uh, lose their enthusiasm in support of the Rockets and and Pelican started to get a bit of confidence. Lonzo hit a big three, 73 all. Uh, Then Josh Hart got teed up. He was chirping at Harden, a bit of carry-on back and forth. Something that we did time and time again was that the defense kept collapsing under Harden, which you have to do, but at the same time, it then opens up four players on the perimeter to hit threes, so we get punished a bit because he can make those passes, but James Harden's a, a phenomenal talent. Some great ball movement again from us, Lonzo Steele and a jam. There was some B.I. post up on Rivers, you're happy with that, fade away uh, for, the, for the two and then the end one but he did get belted at the same time, and that caused a nosebleed. We all fell asleep at one point, and Westbrook smashed it down through the basket. Massive jam. Uh, Frank Jackson, though, underrated mid-range game. Really good. was happy with that. Westbrook went at us again. Then it was 100-97, up the Pels. Ingram had 30-9, and nine and we went into the fourth quarter. Westbrook went at... Jalil, a bit, which you don't like to see that mismatch, but unfortunately that's what happened. Um, we mucked around with the ball a bit, and Brandon Ingram caused a turnover, which was a pain. Um, Frank went at the rim hard, scored. Then the Rockets went on a run for the first five minutes, playing the five small. Hart hit a big three, but we're getting beaten inside. The last two minutes, though, we're down by three. And then Harden drives, gets the M1, which is not something you want. We had two really good looks from three in the last 30 seconds, but unfortunately we didn't make them. Then Harden falls over on the Hart dunk, which was good. Then we are only down by one with 11 seconds. Six seconds left. Unfortunately, we are down by three. Then we had a, a broken play, and, and Josh Hart had to force a three, and we lost, which was a pain because we are with him basically for the full game. So it was 123 to 126, unfortunately, which pushed us 0-3 on the season. But we all know that it gets better, so let's just focus on that. And so that was game three. I think we might leave it at that today. It was a bit longer than we have had in the past few episodes. Thanks again. Must go to my good friend Steve Vidovich for joining us and chatting hoops. That was really, really good fun. Hopefully we'll get him on here again. Thanks to all you listeners for tuning in once again to the Pelican Scoop. Make sure you head over to hoop to check out everything we got going on on there. And I think I'll leave it at that. Bye for now.
1: This
0: has been a HoopBall presentation.